Hi there, this is Jennifer Wisdom, and I'm here to talk with you today about living your values and growing professionally. Our learning objectives here are that by the end of this training, you'll be able to identify opportunities for staff to professional development, both inside and outside your organization. You'll understand how to increase everyday opportunities for your staff and yourself within your organization. And you'll practice giving professional development under information to staff. And, and so you'll look at, we'll look at a strategy together and then hopefully you will get to practice giving that feedback to the staff. About me, uh, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm a board certified business and organizational psychologist and I do a lot of work with UCLA and DMH. Uh, sometimes people are so committed to their, to the work that they're doing it's hard to also balance out the professional development of your staff. So when the day-to-day -day activities are hectic or it's a little chaotic, it's hard to remember that professional development. So that's why we're talking about this now because there are lots of ways that you as a supervisor can help your staff work on their professional development and learn and grow in the course of everyday activities. And similarly, there are ways that you as an employee, whether you have staff or not, can work with your uh, situation to ensure that you are getting the professional development you want. So that's where we are going through here. So first let's talk about these formal within organization opportunities. So most organizations have some kinds of opportunities and I know that uh, DMH is no different where you have opportunities for within organization training. So in many um, places that I've been, it's a system called Relias. You may have other kinds of online um, programs where you can take classes on being a supervisor or using Excel or um, ethics or, I don't know, biohazards, right? There's all kinds of different kinds of trainings and programs online. Do you have those at DMH? You, if you have them, you might not have seen them since you started working there, or they might be new, um, but certainly it's worth checking out. Um, most programs have that in addition to programs like Relias that can provide all of that kind of stuff. You also usually, most HR departments offer some kind of training as well. So great, you have Relias, fantastic. Human resources offices can sometimes sometimes provide trainings on being a supervisor and helping your staff identify their values or other aspects there. So those are available to employees. Um, those are available to people who are working there. So there are those within organization trainings that are available. If you're not sure how to find them, then you can talk to HR or you could talk to your supervisor and see if you can figure those out, both for you, again, and for your staff or any staff that you might have reporting to you. Another formal within organization opportunity is that many organizations have some sort of training funds and paid time to attend trainings. So for example, maybe there's a local conference or a national conference that you want to go to. They might provide at minimum They'll let you go on your own dime without having to use vacation time. Other places go beyond that and say, not only do you not have to use vacation time, this will be work time. 
Also, we can reimburse you for the cost of the conference or the cost of the travel or both. So if you're not sure of what those training funds may be that are available, that's another place to talk to your supervisor or to talk to HR. And again, this is good information to get both for yourself and for your staff. Um, one of the organizations I consult with is a behavioral health organization, and they offer all staff $400 a year to use on whatever training they want. So some people are using it toward getting a degree, and some people are using it toward continuing education, and there's other options there. And additionally, there may be tuition reimbursement options. So your employer may have options for providing funding so that you could get a degree or get a certificate or do some other kind of training. So all of these are formal within organization opportunities. And of course, I wanna give a shout out to the UCLA team, which has a ton of training available as well. And I believe there's a link to that at the end of the program. Um, and you can certainly reach out to Jackie. They do a ton of training with GMH. Super. That's, so those are kind of the general areas of within organization kind of formal opportunities. Some of you may be thinking, well, I'm not sure I have time to do formal training, but I might have time to do something that's a little less formal. So let's talk about those. So I'm, I set these up as a situation where you're the supervisor and you have a staff member who needs some professional development. Okay, that's how we're going to talk about these here. You can also, if you want this kind of professional development, you can talk to your boss about doing some of these things, or maybe your boss is even on this call and can, can jump in. So here are some kinds of things you can do to provide opportunities within the organization that are informal and that are free. There's no cost to these. So one is to delegate if you're the supervisor, delegate a project or part of a project to one of your staff. This can be asking your staff to step in for you on a work group or an implementation team or some sort of regular meeting that happens. The benefit of that is, is multiple. So one is you can go with them and introduce them to the people the first time uh, that the meeting is happening, or you can just make a recommendation and send them on their own. Not only does that mean you don't have to go to the meeting anymore, but it also means they get the opportunity to take part in this meeting with other people. That means they get to learn more about the organization because these meetings tend to have people from different parts of the organization and they get practice representing your group. So if you're part of, um, I don't know, let's say you're part of finance and you're sitting in a meeting, you have someone sitting in a meeting representing finance, your person who that you've delegated to be part of that project to represent finance needs to represent you. So then you can talk with them as their supervisor to help them understand how better to represent finance. You can ask them what happened in the meeting and how did this go and what happened. You can also talk to whoever the lead of the project is and ask them, how did my person do? Did they do okay? Did they represent finance? Did they speak up? And if you have someone who's not comfortable speaking up, this could potentially be an opportunity to help them figure out what's happening and help them get more comfortable speaking up. This is a very important professional development skill 
that often gets overlooked. Many times our staff, or maybe even us, even if we're a supervisor, may have this perspective of, I'm just here to do my job, and I'm not thinking about the rest of the organization or kind of how things work together. But this is an important professional development opportunity for folks to figure out what happens in other groups. How can we do our jobs better? How can we resolve the problems that are getting in our way? So that's an informal opportunity. Another one is to ask your staff to give a report on something that they're working on. So this could be as simple and straightforward as a client report uh, to give an update as a clinical supervision item in front of the group. It could be something else. So for example, maybe um, they've had a number of clients recently who are bipolar and maybe it would be helpful for the whole group to get a better understanding of what bipolar clients are like and what those particular clients, how they present and what the challenges are. So maybe you can have a staff member put something together. When you ask them to do this, or when you do this, there's these three skills that they're learning. So one is to prepare, which means they're doing kind of their research online, they're putting together a presentation, and they're thinking about how the audience is going to receive the information, whether it's their colleagues or whether it's just you, they're having to learn how to do this. The second part is they can review it with you if they haven't done this before, and you can give them feedback, which means you get an opportunity to learn what they're sharing. You get an opportunity to practice giving feedback and they get an opportunity to practice getting feedback. And then finally, they present whatever it is they're doing, which means they have the opportunity to learn more about public speaking, about how to address questions, about how to do some ad hoc speaking where they have to think on their feet. Again, all of these are really good skills. Another opportunity, informal within organizations, I mentioned earlier that your organization might support you going to training. My rule, whenever I'm in charge, which is not all the time, but when I am and I get to approve training is happy for you to go to the training and I want you to report back to us what you learned. And this could be as simple as a 10 minute conversation. And again, they get the opportunity to prepare, prepare it, review it and present it and to share their information with others. And then what that does is also motivate other people on your team to want to go to training and they get, everybody gets to learn. So essentially you are multiplying the impact of one person getting training by having them share it with everyone. And of course, if somebody goes to a three-day training and they spend 10 minutes talking about it, it's not quite the same, but it's still sharing some of the information after the training they attend. Another opportunity is to ask staff to attend a meeting and report back to colleagues. So this is similar to delegating part of a project, except that they're going to a meeting in your place as the supervisor and they are absorbing what's happening. And then you can work with them to help them synthesize what happened in the meeting and report it back to their colleagues. This provides opportunity for them to learn a number of different skills, not only how does the organization work better, but how to represent your part's interest, finance department or your, your uh, delegation or your group, 
it also helps them learn how to talk with people who are different from them. Sometimes we get stuck working with, we work with other clinicians and we work with patients. That's it. <laughs> we don't talk to anybody else. And this can help, help people get some more exposure to different parts of the organization who can help them understand kind of the big picture of how things are working. When you have technical needs, um, or something specific, you can invite an internal or an outside expert. For example, I have had, we've, uh, I've worked with an organization before where people had to do some sort of reimbursement for their expenses and they had a lot of questions about it. So rather than having people complain that the budget people didn't do this or do that, I invited the budget people in. Can you come talk to our group for half an hour and tell us what we need to know about the budget process and this and that? And everyone could ask them questions about what was important or why is it that you need stuff within two days or whatever, right? They could ask them all those questions. So not only did people get information that they needed, they got an opportunity to ask questions that are diplomatic and to hear the answers and get feedback that they might or might not like. All of these are important professional development aspects. You could also potentially invite an outside expert. When I invite outside experts, usually I try to include more than just my small team. I might make it a bigger event if possible to share. Um, that way other groups can learn with my group and it becomes a you know, sort of a team building, relationship building exercise with the other group because all they have to do is show up and they get this free training. So sometimes that can be exciting too. And remember, most of your colleagues would probably be happy to come talk to your group for half an hour. It's not that big of a deal. They wanna share, you, tell them what you want from them and they're happy to share. Finally, the last informal opportunity within organizations that I wanted to talk to was about learning together. You can read, have a book club, you can get a journal article, you can have a current issue conversation. Um, and the way you can set this up can be a professional development activity in and of itself. What I mean by that is you can get, you can talk to your staff about what they're interested in. I try to start small, like with an article or current issues rather than going straight to a book because sometimes people don't wanna do that but start small. Do people want to have a book club or an article journal club or have a current issues conversation? Put a time for this on your calendar uh, and in one of your meetings and even like half an hour on the you know, second Tuesday meeting of the month or whatever is fine. The first one, you as the supervisor pick and manage the conversation. So let's say you had an article um, I did this recently with a group and I picked an article. It was a substance use treatment program. I picked an article that was an overview on substance use service delivery. So it talked about kind of the big picture, the medium picture, the little picture, kind of how, where does this organization fit within this large national scope of substance use and what are the challenges in the field and that sort of thing. And it ended up starting a really nice conversation among the staff and they got really interested in kind of where this one organization fit within the broader scope. So you facilitate the first one and then you can ask for like, how did this go? What worked, what didn't work? You can also ask, what would you like to do next? 
and somebody will say, oh, I'd like an article on this. Great. Have them pick an article. And then slowly you can help other people facilitate the conversation. So ultimately you're getting to a point where all of this is running more or less on its own and you don't have to do much except confirm what's the article. I want to make sure I send it out to people in time so they can read it. And then when it's time, you hand it over to Chris or Sean or Mark or Judy or whoever and say, all right, Judy, it's time for our article review. Take it away. Let's take a look at it. I think the one thing where you want to be careful with this one is to try to um, give a look to the articles or the books or the current issues to make sure they're at appropriate scope and complexity for where your team is at. So for example, you might want to start with something that gives an overview of a project rather than a one study of a randomized controlled trial that goes way into depth looking at very, very specific issues. That might be a little too much for a first article um, and you might want to work on it. The other thing you can do with an article with a journal club or current issues is make sure that people bring questions and make sure that you bring questions to ask them to apply whatever you're talking about to your current situation. So let's say, let's go back to the bipolar example. Let's say you have a client who's bipolar and you asked one of your staff members to report on bipolar disorder and people were really interested in that. And so you said, hey, let's get an article. Let's talk about, let's, let's read an article together and talk about bipolar disorder and how it manifests in a clinical setting. So they have the article and then you can talk with them about, have any of you seen these kinds of behaviors in your clients? What do you think we can do with this? How are these clients different from clients with psychosis or with whatever the kind of issue is? So lots of options there. Okay. And then finally, there are opportunities outside of your organization. So UCLA has other programs, Cal State University, um, the whole UC system. There's lots of formal programs. The SAMHSA group, which stands for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. This is a federal organization that has tips and taps and other publications. And these are treatment, uh, I forgot what they stand for, but treatment improvement, protocols and treatment something, but they're all about um, how to provide substance use treatment for providers. So if you have clients that have substance use issues, which I'm guessing you do, some of those might be good to look up and you can just Google SAMHSA tips, SAMHSA taps, and these will come up and they're like soft cover books. I believe you can order them um, if you want to order paper copies or you can read them online on a PDF, lots of information there. There's other uh, professional organizations like the National Council for Behavioral Health. There's National Association of Social Workers, uh, American Psychological Association, American Psychiatric Association. All of these organizations have at minimum some sort of magazine that's kind of easy reading. And most of them also have some sort of scientific journal as well. And then many of those also offer continuing education credit that might be applicable for what you're doing as well. Also outside your organization are opportunities. There's plenty of journal articles out there. 
Google Scholar, you can search everything and many, many articles are available for free um, or you might be able, if they're not free, you might be able to get them through your organization, um, get a PDF copy and take a look at it. And then finally, there's also the SAMHSA HRSA Center for Integrated Health Solutions and HRSA stands for Health Resources and Services Administration. So that's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration and the Health Resources Services Administration Center for health, Integrated Health Solutions. A lot of words there that basically is those are groups working together to ensure that people with behavioral health are integrate with behavioral health issues, including homelessness, substance use, mental health are integrated into the larger healthcare systems. They have a bunch of training as well that's available. I just wanna reinforce part of what I was mentioning earlier. We often think that the professional development skills that people need are related to being a clinician or working with this client or understanding cognitive behavioral therapy. Those are very important skills. Those are essential for your work. And there's also another group, another set of professional development skills around problem solving and working with your colleagues, working with people senior to you, working with people junior to you, providing supervision, synthesizing information and presenting it to other people and so on. So those are all professional development skills as well. Sometimes we miss those, um, but they are important to help your staff with. And if you have any staff who want to advance and be managers or supervisors, or if you want to advance from where you're at to a higher level position, those are really important critical skills to get. The higher you go up in an organization, the more it's those kind of soft skills about getting along with other people and having difficult conversations and so on. Those are the skills that get you, that advance you in an organization. You have a baseline, it's assumed that you have a baseline of clinical skills that are, that are good. And those are the other skills that'll get you going. Okay, I mentioned that National Council for Behavioral Health is now called National Council for Mental Wellbeing. Thank you, I appreciate that. So I will make sure to update that. So next up, I just talked about all these different ways that you can get professional development activities for yourself or for your staff. So how do you know how to help your staff with professional development? Let's talk about that. How do you understand your employees' needs for professional development and how do you provide feedback? So the first thing to know is that feedback is not the same as praise. Some of the least helpful feedback is good job because that really doesn't tell you a whole lot about what you did well, what you could have done better, how much did you hit the mark or not hit the mark. That is, I think of good job as kind of the, the laziest form of feedback. And don't get me wrong, I do that sometimes too. Sometimes that's all I can get. I wanna make sure somebody knows they did a good job and I don't have the time or the energy to explain in more detail, but feedback's not just saying good job. Also, feedback's not always positive. Sometimes there are things that people, that you think people should do differently. And these can be awkward conversations. So when you're working with employees, it's really important to ask them about their goals, about what's important to them. 
So what you have are kind of two different areas that you want to attend to. One is what are the basic requirements for the job? What are the expectations for anyone who would be in this job? And then the other set of, of requirements that you wanna to work toward are, what does this employee need and want? Sometimes those work together and sometimes they don't. So for example, if you have an employee that is having trouble with um, documenting their work and they don't put their, their notes in in time and they don't necessarily like putting enough detail on the notes, that's a basic requirement of the job that they do that. And so that's a place to work with them on for their basic requirement. They may have a goal that's about public speaking that's not related at all to the basic job requirement. And then it's your job as supervisor to help them reconcile those. Yes, I'm happy to help you with more public speaking opportunities. And it's an expectation of the job that you put together a reasonable amount of documentation for your work. And then you can work with both of those things together. So understanding what your employees' goals are can take some time. If you sit down with your supervisee and say, tell me what your goals are, they might or might not have something there. They might need to think about it. They might need to think about whether they feel safe enough to talk to you about it. Because if they said, well, my goal, if they're thinking to themselves, my goal is I want your job. <laughs> they might not feel comfortable saying that to you right then. And you know, if that's okay, maybe they shouldn't feel comfortable saying that to you, but they might need to find a way to frame it that works well. The other part about feedback that's really important to know is that it's a process, not a one-time or an annual event. It often happens though, that when we have annual reviews that need to be done or performance reviews, we save up all the feedback and give it to them then. And it's kind of like pulling up everything you did wrong <laughs> over the past year and that doesn't feel good to anybody. It also doesn't make it really amenable to change, to how people can change their behavior. If you work within your team to ensure that feedback is something that is regular and ongoing, and it's something that you take part into, then feedback can become much more helpful and you'll have a better sense of professional development needs of your staff. So how do you do this? One is you can talk in your meetings whenever you meet with people, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one or a group meeting about, do you have any feedback for me? Yes, that puts you in a bit of a vulnerable place as a supervisor, but that's okay. You can handle it. You're modeling how to ask for feedback and then you can model how to receive feedback. So that's helpful. You can also mention to your employees, I have some feedback for you. Is that okay? Or you could say, I'd like to offer you some feedback. And then you provide them with feedback and then ask them what that process was like. And if they're not doing a good job at receiving the feedback, you can talk about that too. You can say something like, it's important that we all are able to accept and receive feedback. I'm trying to provide feedback in a way that shows that I care about you and I want you to be successful. And I'm not understanding your reaction. Can we talk about that? And you're, you're all, cl you're clinicians, many of you, so you can do this. Okay, so feedback becomes a process, not an annual event. 
for negative feedback. So when people aren't doing what they need to be doing for the job, make sure you help them figure out how to improve. So connect the negative feedback to the improvement strategy and be specific. So if we go back to the example of the person who doesn't fill out their paperwork very well, you could say, I have some feedback for you and I'd like to talk about how you can improve. I've noticed that you have some sort of observation. I've noticed that your documentation often isn't complete and that it's not on time. Now here's, that's the negative feedback. Here's the, here's the, here's the improvement strategy. What I'd like is each section put at least three good sentences and I'd like everything to be turned in by this date or by Fridays or by the end of the day before you go home or whatever the requirement is. So then you can clarify to them not only what is not going well, but what could go better. Another part of providing feedback is to share personal stories if they're appropriate. So many times personal stories are not appropriate. <laughs> That's understood. But if someone's struggling, sometimes sharing your personal story of a similar struggle can be very helpful. So for example, I have someone that reports to me who's a new supervisor and they're having trouble kind of finding their supervisor legs. They are used to being one of the gang and they don't really have the, the experience in providing instruction to others and asking them to do something without apologizing. You know, it's just hard for them to be direct. So with this person, I can share a personal story around, this was hard for me too. <laughs> it's challenging to make this transition from being one of the gang to being a supervisor. And in fact, when I was doing this, I finally had one of the staff that now reported to me, come to me and say, you don't have to apologize when you ask us to do stuff, right? So what this does is it helps humanize you and them, and it helps normalize their experience. So they can understand that they're not alone. They're not the only person to experience this. They can absolutely move forward and get this stuff done the same way that you did. So you're being a role model for that. For professional development and feedback, it's important to help improve their actions at work and demonstrate value for the person. We've all had the kind of experience where we feel like we're just a cog in a machine and somebody wants to try to, our boss wants to just try to get more and more work out of us. Hopefully you're not experiencing that now, but we've all had that at some point in our lives and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like the only reason we're there is to just produce work. So that gets us back to professional development. When you are working with someone as their supervisor, and you promote not only their high performance, but also their professional development and their skill building, and you're giving them positive and negative feedback, and you're helping them grow as a person and as a professional, that ends up addressing their whole person rather than just their worth to the organization as someone who does work or creates billable hours or whatever. So that's another way to make sure that you are working with someone as a whole person. And again, bringing in these professional development opportunities is really helpful. Finally, this may sound like it's a lot of um, telling people, 
giving people feedback, telling them how to improve, you sharing your story. But ideally, this is a conversation. It's a two-way street. So asking employees about what's important to them, ask them, how do you feel like you're doing? What are you struggling with? What's working well? What's not working well? How can I be of service to you? I know a lot of you mentioned there, you're really committed to providing service and supporting your staff and integrity and being fair. So great. Ask your employees, how can I be of service to you? How can I support you and your activities? That goes a long way in supporting them as people and in supporting them as professionals. Okay, so I put a little script here around how to address feedback for someone. So this is often one of the hardest things to do as a supervisor, and it's one of the most challenging things that people struggle with when they become new supervisors is giving feedback, especially giving negative feedback. So I have this script here, and it'll be in the slides uh, that you can go to on the PMHP website. You can start with, I'd like to talk to you about such and such. Just kind of state the context. And hopefully you're not saying everything you've done since you've been here, but let's keep it kind of specific. I'd like to talk to you about this particular event or this particular client or whatever. Give some information about what you liked. I really liked how you were attentive to this client's needs and how you called me in when you had a question. Very much appreciate that. Then you can say, I'd like to provide some feedback if you're open to it, or you can just say, I'd like to provide some feedback. And then you can clarify about what the area is that needs improvement and what the impact of that is and then how they can improve. So for example, I'd like to talk to you about your work with so-and-so client. I really appreciated that when things got a little sticky, you called me. I think that was great. And I'd like to provide you with some feedback. So let's talk about how it works when you call me when you're talking to a client, because it seemed like the client was no longer in the picture and you were just on the phone with me. So when you talk to me for so long, that I think results in the client feeling ignored and the client not being attended to. It might be helpful for us to keep those conversations shorter so that you can more quickly get back to the client. What do you think? And that what do you think at the end is really important because it's giving them an opportunity to share with you, maybe you, you got something wrong. Maybe you missed something. Maybe there was something else going on that you didn't see and they can give you that feedback. And then you'll notice on this script that there's little asterisks after just about everything. <laughs> and at any point, that's a stop point where you can talk with the employee and ask them what they think or what they feel. So for example, I'd like to talk to you about your work with so-and-so client. How do you think that went? Get their perspective on how it went before you go into it. And then maybe you could say, I really appreciated that you called me when things got really sticky. How was that call for you? Right? So you can ask them how they feel then and what, how that went for them. I'd like to provide some feedback if you're open to it. What do you think? Is that okay? You could ask for their feedback. 
when you do this, I think this happened. What do you think, right? You can see if you take every one of these opportunities, every one of these asterisks and provide, ask a question, this is gonna be a long conversation, <laughs> which is fine if you have time for it. Sometimes you don't have a lot of time, but other times you do. And it may be that with this particular employee, you want to focus on something in particular. Maybe you wanna focus with them on their own self-assessment of a situation. So you'd like to focus on, I'd like to talk to you about what happened with this client. How do you think that went? So what you're doing is you're seeing as a supervisor how well they can assess their own behavior and how well they are communicating to you about their experience with the client. Not everybody can do that. That's hard sometimes. So maybe that's what you want to focus on. Maybe instead what you'd like to focus on is when you do this, here's the impact. So maybe they're, they're not really focusing on that much on the impact of their actions because they're so focused on getting it right. That happens too, that's okay. So you can use this script for most types of feedback, positive or negative feedback, and make sure that when you're finished with it, when you, that, they, that the, the employee is leaving with a clear understanding of what you'd like them to do differently. What I like to do after a conversation like this is to make sure I wrap it up. I say something like, is there anything else we should talk about related to this topic right now? Or you could use kind of the phrasing from the restorative justice training. Is there anything that you need to hear that needs to be heard or anything that needs to be said? And that particularly can come in handy if there's some friction between you and the employee, if there's a difference of opinion about how things were handled, or if it was a particularly stressful or traumatic kind of experience that you're walking them through. One of the rookie mistakes I see in new supervisors, in addition to not having the feedback conversation, is not finishing the feedback conversation. They'll do part of the conversation, but they don't wrap it up all the way. So make sure you wrap it up at the end. Once you get to know employees and you're working with them, you'll know, you'll have a better sense of when it's over. But at the same time, I've been doing this a long time. And many times when I ask that wrap up question, I think I know things are wrapped up, but I'll ask that wrap up question. Is there anything else we should talk about related to this topic? People surprise me and they bring something up that it didn't even occur to me. So I try to always ask that question. Best case scenario, I mean, people could just say, nope, we're done. Great, we're done but I'd rather have them say, nope, I'm done, than to end the conversation too early. And actually, I just realized I left up the wrapping up part. So I am trusting would wrap up the conversation that after we have it, she'll say the, what do you think? And is there anything else that needs to be said? So we do wanna make sure to wrap that up. See, even I forget sometimes. You can also ask, how was this process? I know we don't, I don't give feedback very often. How was this process for you? Do you have any thoughts for me on what I could do differently or better? Okay, so what we went over today was the importance of professional development. 
understanding your own value related to professional development. And it looks like everybody who responded is really clear that you want to provide professional development opportunities for your staff and that you value it and you find it important. We then talked about formal opportunities within your organization, including the Relias training, other HR training, the UCLA training. We talked about informal opportunities where you can set up opportunities for people to learn, including asking them to attend meetings or a training on your behalf or to speak to the group or journal club or things like that. We also talked about informal opportunities outside of your organization, such as getting certification or looking up information from the National Council for Mental Wellbeing. Thanks, Lisa or looking up the SAMHSA information or so on. There's tons of stuff out there that's high quality that staff can use to learn. Then we went into the process of providing feedback to your staff and I gave you a kind of template that you can use whenever you wanna provide feedback. And we had a fabulous example about how to provide feedback to staff using that template. And then of course, at the end of the conversation, you can both provide opportunities for professional development, if, if the situation lends itself to additional training or something else, you could also um, make sure you wrap up the conversation and then uh, make sure that, you, uh, that the other person has an opportunity to provide feedback. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thanks everyone for coming and look forward to seeing you at the next one, whenever that is. Happy professional developmenting.